After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. John 21, verse 15. When we learn from experience, the scars of sin can lead us to restoration and a renewed intimacy with God. Charles Stanley. What did you do? Becca Chase. Restoration and hope is available each time you return to God. Jim George. Guardrails save your life. Rich Janes. Dad, I really hope you didn't break it, because that would not be good. Liam Chase. The work of restoration cannot begin until a problem is fully faced. Dan Allender. You'll be tempted to believe that you can live your life off your gifts and not do the deep work of character formation. Your gifts can take you only so far, but there are no such limits when it comes to a life marked by deep character. Rich Villadas, The Deeply Formed Life. Oh, we heard it, Dad. We've all been laughing at you. Eliana Chase. Guilt is not a response to anger. It is a response to one's own actions or lack of action. If it leads to change, then it can be useful, since it is no longer guilt, but the beginning of knowledge. Cole Arthur Riley. This here flesh. In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Jesus Christ. So after you have suffered a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you, and he will place you on a firm foundation. All power to him forever. Amen. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 10 to 11. Well, good morning, friends. My name is Chris, and it is a privilege to be able to spend time with you in this online space, or if you're watching in a theater or in a different space of our community. Shoutouts to New Market this morning. I miss you guys so much, and I wish I was with you, but we're, we're together in this, in this sort of space. And remember, too, if you have questions at the end, make sure to put them in the chat, and Jimmy and I are gonna be able to hang out uh, a little bit and talk about some of those things that you may be asking about. Um, you're probably wondering what's in front of this laptop here. Um, my son, Last Christmas, he got this video game system called an Oculus. And what it is, is this virtual reality system where you take these goggles, you put them on your eyes, and suddenly you go from playing something in your hands to being moved to a different part of the world. You're climbing Mount Everest, you're swimming with dolphins, you are literally trying to remove yourself out of an escape room, or in our case, you are playing football. There's this game that came out uh, last summer called NFL Pro Era. And my son and I, we saw the trailer for this on YouTube and we we're like, we need to buy this game. And so Liam and I, we spent my hard-earned money because he's 10, he has no job. And we bought this game. And in this game, we can actually be 
quarterbacks in the NFL. And the way the Oculus works is you have to build a border around yourself. You have to kind of build guardrails around to make sure that you don't bump into anything so you're able to know your surroundings a little bit. And then once you know your limit and you play within it, you're able to then kind of do whatever it is the game allows you to do. And so one night, it's after 11, everyone's asleep. And after, you know, 17 hours of prayer and fasting and reading the Bible, I'm kidding, it was 16 hours. I, I wanted to, you know, play this game a little bit. And so I, I put this game on, I'm relaxing, I'm in my living room and I'm throwing passes and I'm getting touchdowns and I'm on my way to the Super Bowl. And at one point I have this ball and I go to hand it off to somebody beside me and I drop the football and I'm watching in my mind, in my eyes, this football rolled down the field. And instinctively, I kind of forgot that I was playing a video game and I began to run after the football, except I ran after the football in real life. And I, Usain bold myself towards this football. And before I know it, the border that is normally blue, letting you know that you're safe, turns red, telling me that I'm outside of the border, I'm outside of the guardrail. And before I know it, my knee hits our couch, my face with the Oculus on, hits the door frame, and my hand, I'll, I'll just show you a picture. That's what happened to, to our wall. I put my, my arm through a wall. Look at my beautiful face. There was blood everywhere. I am rolling on the floor. The Oculus, this beautiful system, goes flying into our kitchen. I am a heap on the ground. My wife, she runs down the stairs, and I'm thinking as I hear her, as I'm calling out for help, that she's going to pick me up in her arms and bring me to the hospital. And instead, she says, like you saw in our quote package, what? did you do? Because she saw the hole in the wall, she saw me on the ground, she heard the thud, and she was more concerned about the wall than she was about me and this, this face that she's been married to for the last 17 years. Like, this is the pain there. My, my son, his only concern was whether or not his Oculus was broken. My daughter, she thinks it's the funniest thing. She tells her friends all the time about the time that her dad ran through the wall. And I'm constantly reminded as I have a bad knee, as I still have a scar that is blocked by my glasses right now, of walking outside of reality, of meeting that wall and remembering that I'm not, a, I'm not an NFL quarterback, I'm just a, a dad <laughs> who has dreams of grandeur. Who I, I had this idea and I ran through and I, I hit reality and suddenly everything wasn't as comfortable as I thought it was. Everything was a little bit more painful, which I'm still kind of walking through right now. You, you, you might be able to relate to that, right? The idea of running into a wall, running into reality, thinking that everything is a-okay, everything's perfect, and then that moment where you hit reality and you're like, oh no, things aren't as good as I thought they were. You, 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 you can relate to that, right? In an area of your life, you've done that. You've run into a wall, have you? I'm sure you have at one point or another. That moment where you run in, you're like, oh no, something's broken. Can it be fixed? Can it be saved? Can I even get up? What's the damage here? Now you might not, your, your wall might not be my living room wall and I promise my wife that I will fix the hole by Christmas. If you have tips on how to fix, fix holes and walls, put them in the chat, I really appreciate it. But we've all experienced that sort of moment where we hit reality, we don't know what to do. Through the scriptures, we are introduced to men and women who we have the ability to relate to. And in this instance, in this sort of story illustration, there's nobody that comes to my mind quickly, as quickly as the Apostle Peter. 
We meet Peter at the beginning of the Gospels and we get to know him well beyond Jesus' resurrection. And in thinking about Peter and how he relates to the story, I was trying to think about how I would introduce Peter to somebody who's never met him before. Now, you might be somebody who has been a part of faith and who has read through the scriptures and you know Peter's story, but what about the person who might be you know, walking into one of our spaces online for the first time or in one of our in-person spaces for the first time and who doesn't have a background on who Peter is. How would I introduce Peter to you? I would describe him this way. We, we all have a Peter type person in our friendship group. We all do. We all have somebody who goes from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows really quickly. We all have somebody in our lives who inspires us and then also makes us roll our eyes like a second later. We all have somebody who the kids would say is doing the most, is a little extra. See, Peter is the sort of person who would I would describe him as he would ask for promotion from work and then by lunchtime he would say, just kidding. Peter is the sort of person who always spoke what was in his head even if it wasn't helpful. He was the sort of person who always spoke on behalf of the group even if the group never asked him to. Peter, Peter's, Peter's the sort of person who would check his boss and then be embarrassed because his boss had to check him back. A little humility thing. Peter, Peter's a sort of person who would chop a person's ear off and think that he was doing the right thing. Do you see this? Like you could read it. It's, it's, it actually it actually happened. Now, again, you know, Peter might not be Peter might not be necessarily you, but we all know somebody like that outside of the cutting off the ear part. In my family, as you can imagine, I am the Peter type, the one who is inspiring and also eye-rolly at the exact same time. And for the disciples in their crew, Peter was that person. And in his doing too muchness, I hope that we are able to kind of look at his relatability. We're able to look at his story, see his reality check moments, and then also see his redemptive arc to remind us that even if we step out of the guardrails, that Jesus is there to pick us up and to bring us back into wholeness. So we're going to look at three snapshots at his life. And my hope is that we're able to see him and say, okay, even if I run into the wall and I fall down, there's always a way for me to get back up. So we start first with the warning. And so we, we look at the story in John chapter 13. The background there is, is the Last Supper. And we're, we're used to this picture of the Last Supper being uh, Jesus and these 12 friends sitting at a table, we even know the, the painting, sitting in one table in a row and they're kind of looking down at each other. But in reality, it's more like this picture on the screen that you can see right beside me, right? They're sitting in, in sort of around. The, these Jewish men, they would have adopted this Roman custom of having a table in the middle and then having three benches around them where they would sit and lean on each other as that's where you see them sort of in a reclining position so they would all be able to fit. And because there would have been 13 of these men, there might've even been a fourth table or some of them would have sat on the ground. They would have been reclining together. It was really, really, really close quarters at a very awkward time in history where Jesus is explaining to them, hey guys, this is gonna be the last time we're able to do this. And when we find ourselves in John chapter 13, Judas, Judas one of the other uh, disciples, he's just left to betray Jesus. He's, he's become the ops, if you will. And he's gone to do this. And now Jesus is trying to explain to these, these men the importance of loving one another, the importance to care for one another. And then Peter jumps in with his declaration. We see this in verse 36. 
Simon Peter asked, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, you can't go with me now, but you will follow me later. But why can't I come now, Lord? He asked, I am ready to die for you. Jesus answered, die for me? I tell you the truth, Peter, before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three, you will deny three times that you even know me. Right there, we see the warning. Right there, we see the border, we see the guardrail. Jesus is great because he cares enough to say to Peter, you are doing too much. See, Peter loved to make these really, really, really big statements, especially when his friends, the other disciples were around. He loved being able to make these declarative statements. And Jesus is willing to say to him, dude, you are doing too much. There's this beautiful blend of grace and truth there. He challenges Peter's ideal of, I will die for you. And he also points to his eventual fall because of his pride. Before the rooster crows three times, you're going to deny me. He points to both things. I see this heart, but I also know that your pride is going to get in the way. In fact, where we see the words, I, I tell you the truth in our snapshot, it's actually translated as amen, amen. And Jesus is sort of being a little sarcastic. He's sort of being like, okay, okay, I see you. But let me tell you what's really going to happen here. Jesus warns Peter about his own approaching testing and his failures. Peter, he's anxious to declare his deep de uh, dedication to Jesus, but his boast shows a lack of understanding of his own heart. He has this desire to do so much, but he's actually only able to do so little. One commentary puts it this way, self-confidence when not built on the foundation that is Christ can quickly morph into pride becoming dangerous. And Peter, he is flirting with that line of, of pride. And then we see how deep it goes later on when we see him at the wall, when he actually runs into the guardrail himself. We move a few chapters over to John chapter 18, where we see Peter and one of the other disciples following Jesus after his arrest. And so this beautiful picture where, where Peter, he goes and he's hoping to follow his other disciple. And the other disciple is like, listen, some people aren't necessarily fans of you. So you stay out here and I'm going to go and handle this business. And I'll, I'll, you just stay out, outside. And right there while he's outside, the words of I will die for you are put to the test. So we look at verse 15. So Simon Peter followed Jesus as did another of the disciples. The other disciple was acquainted to, with the high priest. So he was allowed to enter the high priest's courtyard with Jesus. Peter had to stay outside the gate. Then the disciple who knew the high priest spoke to the woman watching at the gate. And she let Peter in. The woman asked Peter, you're not one of that man's disciples, are you? No, he said, I am not. Because it, it was cold, the household servants and the guards made a charcoal fire. They stood around it, warming themselves, and Peter stood with them, warming himself. Meanwhile, as P Simon Peter was standing by, standing by the fire, warming himself, they asked him again, you're not one of the disciples, are you? He denied it. No, I am not. Three times, Three times he's given the opportunity to, to live as one of Christ's followers, to put his money where his mouth is, to back up his boastful prides from a few hours earlier in front of Jesus. And three times he fumbles the ball. Three times he says, nope, I have no clue who he is. 
Now, whether that's for self-preservation or fear or annoyance, he couldn't die to his pride, let alone physically die. His body cast a check that his heart and his soul couldn't afford. One commentary puts it this way. Peter's denial before the servant girl was a striking contradiction of his earlier boast to lay down his life for Jesus and a show of offense in cutting off Malchus's ear. And then a rooster began to crow, which fulfilled Jesus' prophecy. He goes and he says all of this stuff. And then when push came to shove, he wasn't able to do it. And the rooster by all stakes is the wall. The rooster by all stakes was reality. The rooster was by all stakes, his pride falling apart. It was the realization that despite having all of the courage for an impulsive act, like cutting someone's ear off, Peter was not as bold as he claimed to be, nor as sacrificial as he boasted or as devoted as he has hoped. As the rooster sounds off, the realization of his failings, they begin to take shape. One of the other gospel writers um, states that he left the fire to weep bitterly as the weight of Jesus' words and prophecy laid heavy on him. Have you ever been there? Where you realize that you are not who you said you were and that guilt just kind of lives on you and you wear it. And maybe you know the feeling of weeping under the weight of recognizing that you did not live up to your own expectations your own boasts, and maybe it was pointed out to you by somebody else, and you realize that you were not as devoted as you thought you were. Maybe like Peter, you know it's like to be at rock bottom. It's a painful space to be, but thankfully, thankfully, because of Jesus, we don't have to stay there, which brings us to the welcome. The book of John ends in John chapter 21, with Jesus finding his disciples after his resurrection, helping them catch some fish, your beautiful miracle, and then feeding them breakfast. Like what, what, a, what a perfect day. And so after this dramatic scene of miracle and, and breakfast, Jesus and Peter have this heart to heart in front of all of the other disciples with Jesus extending an invitation to Peter to return from his fall with a deeper sense of responsibility. It says this in verse 15, after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know that I do. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, Son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you to where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus told him, follow me. There's a lot of symbolism here in this conversation. 
See, first, there's two words of, for love that are used here. Um, agapeo, which means to be, to be fond of, to love dearly, or to prefer, and then filio, which means to be friendly to someone. So one is stronger or deeper than the other. When Jesus asked Peter if he loved him, Jesus is using agapeo. He's using the stronger word, to be fond of, to love dearly, to prefer. And Peter responds with filio, to be friendly to someone. So it'd be like, do you love me? Do you prefer me more than everyone else? That's what Jesus is asking him in front of these disciples, these people that Peter sometimes performs in front of, these grandiose statements. Do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than yourself? Do you love me more than what you gain? Do you love me more than that? And Peter's like, yo, you the homie. You know I do, man. You, we bros. And I would imagine that, like, even though it's written a certain way, I would imagine that the conversation kind of continues. And then Jesus would ask him a little bit later on, are you fond of me? Do you prefer me over yourself? Do you love me? And Peter's like, dude, we're good, bro. We're homies. And the conversation would die off again. And then Jesus asks him again, but now Jesus is using his word. Jesus actually goes to his level. Are we, are we friends? Do you love me that way? And Peter is grieved by this third question. It wasn't the, rep the repetition that bothered him. It was almost as if Peter was saying, well, by your own, by my definition, I thought, I thought there was a difference here. I thought there was a difference here. I thought, what's going on here? There's a grieving, realizing that they're at a different level and Peter's only able to humbly say, yes, I, yes, I, 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 I do. You know that I do. And with each reply to the yes, Jesus' command to him was the same. Feed and protect my sheep. Protect those who are weaker. Serve my people. Give your life for my people. He's basically saying, Peter, stop living to protect yourself. Stop living outside of this reality and care for them instead. Stop living to impress your brother. Stop living this way out loud and start living internally differently. Stop showing off for your life is no longer about you. It's no longer about what you think or your own platform. It is one that will humble you in every way. And the only way that you can live this life is by following me. And when we see the word follow me, it translates more into be with me, be in relationship with me. It translates as to cleave steadfastly to one, to conform wholly to one's example in living and if need be, dying also. Peter would eventually die for Jesus, but not before dying to himself through sacrifice and through service. To love as Jesus loves is to willingly die in word and in deed for others. And Jesus in this restoration moment, he's inviting him to do just that. He is inviting him to die to himself so he can be actually available to other people. This is beautiful snapshots. We see the, the warning, we see the wall, and we see this welcome, this restorative moment back to love as Jesus would love, to give as Jesus would give, to serve other people. So maybe you're like, there's a lot of snapshots, a lot of things happening. What do you, what do you want me to remember from all of this, Chris? Because there's a lot you're talking about. I would break it down this way. There's, there's the warning. It's a reminder that, that Pride comes before the wall. 
And Peter's proclamation here was met with Jesus' rebuke and an invitation to do different. The beautiful thing I love about Jesus, one of the beautiful things I love about Jesus is that he's never kind of leaving us. He's always trying to remind us of the beauty of the guardrails. The guardrails aren't there to make our lives difficult, but they're there to keep us safe. They're there to make sure that we do not run into the wall and break our faces, if you will, and put holes in walls that I promise I'm going to fix by Christmas. Pride comes when we say, no, Jesus, I can do it on my own. Pride comes when we make declarative statements and we'd rather say all the things as opposed to listening to him. Pride comes before the reality hits. That's the warning. When it comes to the wall, running into reality is the first step towards humility and repentance. It's the, but when we're at, on the ground, literally on the ground, weeping and bleeding and feeling like we've failed completely, that is the perfect moment for us to call out to Jesus, to call out for help, for healing, and to allow him to shape us into the people that we were always meant to be. And then when it comes to the welcome, God longs for relationship before action. Before he asks us to follow and to do stuff, he's asking, do we love him? He invites us into relationship. So often we think that the best way to be restored is to get back into doing things. And he's like, I want you to be with me before you do things for me. I want you to be in relationship with me, to walk with me, to be cleaved to me, to be connected to me before you go off and start doing things in my name. There's something beautiful about just simply being in his presence and knowing who Jesus is and letting his spirit transform who we are so that when we're doing things in his name, it's no longer about making these declarative statements. It's no longer performative. It's just simply who we are because to follow means that we're actually conforming to his example in full. And so I wonder where, where you are you're watching this on your computer, you are sitting in a community space with other believers, or you're sitting and you're just kind of wondering all this stuff later on during the week. Some questions for you to think about, some things to kind of wonder and to search your heart about. And so wonder where you are. You kind of close your eyes and just kind of listen to my voice for a little bit. And allow the Spirit to kind of speak to you as I kind of ask these questions and allow them to kind of point out some things to you. So where you are, just close your eyes. Just kind of listen to this. What are the guardrails around you to help you avoid crashing into the walls around? What are some guardrails that Jesus has put around you? So think about that for a couple seconds. What are the safeties that he has placed around you? What is Jesus gently nudging you about to say, maybe you should watch out for this? Where are you allowing your pride to get in the way of his active presence in your life? And last question to think about, how is he inviting you to follow him after he has picked you up after your fall? How is he inviting you to follow him? How is he inviting you to be a disciple of, of him? 
So there's there's this restorative moment in Peter's life, and Peter is is invited back into the fold and invited back into what we would describe as ministry, if you will, and we can see that through the Book of Acts and his own writings. And he's he's different, and there's still moments where Peter does what Peter going to do, what Peter going to do, but it comes from a different space in 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 his in his life. And I think about myself, and you go back to this Oculus and this video game system and this wall that still needs to be fixed and. Restoration doesn't always mean that you go right back to where you were before. I am allowed to play this Oculus, but I have to play it under supervision and I have to play it sitting down. I'm not allowed playing it on my own for a while because my son, who this belongs to, he said, I want to make sure that you do this the right way. And I want to be with you to make sure that you can do this properly. So now I'm under the accountability of my son, which is a pretty cool thing. What I love about Jesus is that he wants to be with us as we are moving towards restoration, as we are moving towards getting to know him a bit more. He wants to walk with and be with us so that he can entrust us with more. So don't be discouraged if you're on the come up, if you're getting up off the ground. Know that he is with you and know that he wants to do life with you in order to see you do amazing things in his name. And so this concluding prayer comes from Peter himself long after this moment in his life where there's a little bit of wisdom, there's a little bit of experience behind his voice. And he says this found in, in 1 Peter chapter 5. And this is our, our concluding prayer for this morning. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. And at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares for you. In his kindness, God, uh, in his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you, and he will place you on a firm foundation. All power to him forever. Amen and amen. Oh, look at that. Look who's joining me here. It's our, our live stream host for this morning. Jimmy Rushton's in the building. I would say give him a hand, but that'd be awkward if you're kind of sitting on your own. It's weird for everybody. Yeah, but there you go, it'd be weird for everybody. But <laughs> we're, we're gonna do a little bit of the Q&A right now. Yeah, a couple questions. So uh, lots of great comments uh, and feedback around how to patch drywall, California drywall, shout out to whatever company that is and how to repair that. it well. Yeah, yeah. We're not, we're not, we're not like doing like, like sponsorships though. We should, we should clarify clear that. I mean, send the check to the meeting house. <laughs> it's gonna be great. Um, some, other commentary around, yeah, like replace the whole replace the whole living room. So big <laughs> Reno job. Um, a couple questions uh, that have come in through like just different texts and stuff is, what do you think uh, Jesus means by so? Peter and his disciples, the seven, they go back out, uh, out on a boat. They go back to the trades of their father, like this is a wrap, yeah. whatever. And then Jesus is on the shore. They have a meal together. What does Jesus mean by, to Peter in particular, feed my sheep? Like, what does that look like? What is he asking? Is he talking about the disciples? Do you think the crowd or who? So I, I read it in two different ways. The first way I read it is it's this conversation between two people, but everybody else is able to listen in. To listen. So, it's, yeah, yeah. so it's like you and your wife having a conversation, but it's within earshot of your kids. And so they're a part of the conversation. They're, they're 
they're, they're, they're passive listeners as opposed to active listeners. Yeah. So it's like, I'm talking to you, but I'm also talking to you back there as well. And so the idea of feeding my sheep, um, some commentators would say that like when he's saying, feed the, it's almost like feed the little ones is more like the first time. It's more for those who are weaker. So mm-hmm. those who are newer to faith, those who are gonna need more of a hand up. Yeah. The second time he's saying, he's saying to, to people who are more established, to feed them, to make sure that you're taking care of them. And the third time he's saying it to him, he's like, and make sure to feed your brothers too. You who have been, who've made these really declarative statements on their behalf, take care of your yeah, brothers. you're gonna leave the squad. Like take care, take care of your homies around the circle. But he's also saying that to each other, like you guys need to look out for each other, which goes back to, to John 13 of, this is my, the command I leave with you, love one another. And there's this beautiful parallels where in John 13, he's saying to, to Peter, like, you're gonna follow me, but not today. Yeah. And then at the back end of John 21, this idea of prophecy going like, by the way, by the, like you're going to be led to where you don't want to go. That's how you're going to yeah, die. So you're going to follow me, but yeah. like, it's not the way, not the way that you think. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Um, question, when does guardrail, when do guardrails become laws? I mean, guardrails <laughs> will save you from broken noses, right? But when do they become laws? So I would, so... <laughs> So going back to my personal story with the with the Oculus, it becomes a law when I go to put this on, and then my wife's just kind of give me that face of like, "You're not putting that on." It's right? not your time. It's not your time, <laughs> right? Where it becomes where it becomes like I just want to relax and 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 play, yeah. and I'm not. And you're like looking at me as if like you're going to mess this up. Yeah. So when the guardrail becomes a law, when it becomes more about guilt than than and shame, then it becomes about keeping you safe. When it becomes something that you're doing simply because if I don't do it, I'm going to disappoint everyone. Mm. When it becomes performative, yeah, I'm doing this because point. like, oh man, like Jimmy asked me to not do this and if I, he finds out, then I'm not gonna be able to do this, that, and the third, right. right? So it becomes a law when it becomes more about guilt and other people as opposed to growing yourself. Hmm. That's good. It's good. Um, I'm thinking back to like the the interchange between between like agape and phileo. So I love how you put that Jesus like like do you love me? Like more than nachos, more than hats, more than shoes. Do you love love me? And Peter keeps coming back with almost that like that cultural like yeah 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 we're good. Probably like pushing back against his own sense of inner conflict mm-hmm. of like oh my goodness like he's he's centering me out. I just want to keep it at a, at a distance. I would wonder about your thoughts around like especially in this season, not just in the life of our church. Church, but like, you know, I feel like everybody that I know right now is sick, has a cold, flu, or whatever. I mean, well, we're standing right beside right, each right other. Beside <laughs> each other. That's true. Um, and like a couple of my good friends who I know are like not doing well, whether it be. Um, you know, mental health or physical health, and I'll ask them, or you even like, you're part of dialogue where people are like, hey, how are you? And the base level se- response is what? Fine. Okay. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Like, how do we push past that in a community of faith to be like, whether it's the question asker being like, no, seriously, like what's a good tool that you've used as a pastor in your context to push past that like uh, phileo to agape? I see a very awkward eye contact. I'll tell you, just kind of stare at them. Huh? Right? Good. No, I, go. I think it's, well, I think one, it's, it's built out of relationship. Like the, the more you know somebody, you're able to just kind of like just on bi-language go like, you're not good. Yeah, you're not cool. Right, yeah, you're, yeah. I, I, can, I can tell, right? Like there was like, you know, we're breaking the fourth wall here. There was a, a moment where um, I normally, in our meetings, I don't have my camera on. I just find it really uncomfortable. Like, you know, it's true. Like, I normally just don't have my Zoom camera on, right? But there was, a, there was a season where it was like, this feels very problematic. Like, something mm. doesn't feel right, right? And there's a couple of times, even you're like, hey, bro, you good? 
yeah, I'm, yeah, man, yeah, man, yeah, yeah. Like, hey, are you good? Do you prefer me? Do you love me? And I'm like, yeah, man, I'm good. Maybe homies. <laughs> it's like, no, nah, man. Like, I don't you think, I yeah, don't yeah. think you're, I don't think you are. And relationally, I think as 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 community, it's we're 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 breaking the fourth wall and we're allowing ourselves entry into into other people's lives. Now that the person still might decide to kind of keep us. Like, there's three times in that moment where yeah, permission given where, first. Where yep. Peter's like. Dude, I'm good. Dude, I'm good. What do you mean I'm good? Right? But it's like the permission to kind of say, I'm gonna ask this again. Yeah. And so in my life with my with my close friends and the people who I care for, like there's moments where I can look at them and go, mm-hmm. but, but seriously, how are you? And then and then as a question asker, making the space for when if there's a breakdown, if there is an actually, to not go, oh, I'm yeah. glad that you're, you're you're opening this up, but you know I I just don't have enough time for like that sort of thing. And then if you're being asked to recognize who's asking you the question, right? Yeah. Like if it's somebody who cares about you, feel safe. If it's the opposite, if it's somebody you're not really comfortable with, I understand the filio, yeah, because you're protecting yourself. But if it's somebody who that Jesus sort of person in your life who you know loves you, who's already leaning in, listening in, yeah, yeah, to, yeah, yeah. to feel safe that good. way. It's good. Well, thanks for your engagement here, friends. If you have any further questions for like this teaching or um, you know the next number of weeks, you can email those questions into ask at themeetinghouse.com. Ask at themeetinghouse.com. Just want to make one other comment. Kenneth Chan says, Chris got the better hat. Sorry, Jimmy. So uh, block Kenneth Chan. That's hurtful. Thanks, uh, Kenneth. Yeah. Appreciate that. You're just going to gloss over that. <laughs> that's it. That's a wrap. We're going to finish it right there. Uh, thanks so much for engaging online. And uh, yeah, thanks for being with us this morning. Thanks, Chris, for some great teaching. Um, all of our teaching are posted online. So if you missed a spot or you want to go back, you can go to themeetinghouse.com slash teaching. And all of the links, notes, all the things are there. Well, we wish you the, the agape love of mm-hmm. Jesus in your life this day, this week, this month. May the love of Jesus, the fellowship of community, and the real of like our own sense of guardrails uh, go with you. Maybe you may you be reminded of that this week. So grace and peace. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday and this week. Boom boom.